one of my big roles is I'm never going to mention the word lead or MQL in a board meeting, right? Because they don't care. They just want to understand outcomes, right? Welcome everybody to this week's RevOps podcast. I'm Alistair Wilcock, co-host with Howard Brown. You know, today I'm very excited to have with me one of our special in-house executives, William Tyree, our chief marketing officer here at Revenue.io. Hey, William, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's always great to see you. Likewise. So today I wanted to go down, uh, and maybe I'm feeling nostalgic, what it is, but a little bit of history and, uh, and really focus on marketing's impact, how that's evolved and what it means to RevOps uh, today. And, uh, and, and why is, I think, you know, you and I have chatted about this offline, but you're a bit of a history buff. I think you've even done a, a few books in the space as well, haven't you? I, I dabble. I dabble on what I call alt history in the fiction realm. Yeah. But, but yeah, like you, I absolutely love history. And it's been quite the week for those of us who are kind of happening and tracking what's going on over in, in the UK to kind of, you know, digest a little bit more of the kind of tradition and pop and circumstance over there. Oh, it, it really is. And uh, you know, our hearts go out to all the listeners in the UK, the Commonwealth as well. You know, what a, a precious individual Queen Elizabeth was. And uh, yeah. we're sure in the family, all the best. Absolutely. Now, as a fledgling novelist, background in history are always, always key. Let's talk marketing history for a second. You know, for our listeners there, marketing, most people don't realize, dates itself back all the way to 1500 BCE. Joe, that was when the first logo usage was used in the Mesopotamian Empire. Because back then, they actually literally had all of these vendors and merchant systems coming online, and they started to go, hey, we got more stuff than we need. So people started to add logos to start branding, and that is the first documented records of marketing, 1500 BCE. Staggering, right? Like that's uh, way earlier than I think even I would have guest originally when I looked at it. Right. And then you look forwards and I go, okay, then we had the printing press around 1400 CE that came online, of course, changed everything. And really around the 1730s, like we're jumping ahead a lot here, but 1730, you started to get into magazines. You started getting the billboards and America was famous back then for uh, one of the most famous billboards was the, we can do it. Do you remember Rosie the Riveter? Absolutely. So that was in that timeline I'm really coming out of that 1900s period going, hey, we can actually start to advertise, we can solicit, we can create uniqueness around this. And by the way, if we do more of it, we might get more eyeballs and conversion. Like it was when they, it started to come and people started to think about it. Now, it was a little bit more manual, which brings us up to then really what's been happening over the past, which was then the computer came online and everything e-commerce. And, and for those who don't know, William actually before Rev.io, was a specialist in the e-com world, digital advertising world, and has a strong background in that area. And so, William, you've lived firsthand you know, what e-com did, what the rise of literally the computer did to fundamentally change how we work, how we communicate, and frankly, how we market, which is very difficult in the world of RevOps these days. And, and the, you know, with the rise of all of that, you and I discuss this often, right? There's a lot of content out there. 
we we have incredibly rich amounts of content even in revenue io it's very hard to actually keep track of all of that and 70 percent of all marketers will say they even do more content than they did a year ago that's right and 96 percent of it's all online so we live in this computer we live in this digital age it's here what you and i are doing right now has branding implications for for the company as well so as you think about that, William, and, and just the funness of the evolution, let's talk about where this is headed next with RevOps. How you as a CMO that's experienced in the world of digital, e-com, and now building our hyper-growth company, you, what, what does it actually mean to be effective? And the final piece I'll leave with here is, while we all want interconnected revenue teams, we all want sales tied together nicely with marketing, with our SDRs, with our customer success teams. The reality is that the number one issue the heads of marketing still have is demonstration of business value of marketing. William, what's your tip to everybody out there? How are you helping demonstrate value in terms of what we do and produce revenue? What, what's your advice to everybody here? Gosh, well, you know, I, I think that you raise a number of great points there uh, across the millennia, right? But but I think that, you know, so much today is is automated as it should be, right? In terms of what we're trying to do so much is have big marketing impact with a small team. One of the reasons that content is so essential and has always been essential is because, you know, the brain really lights up with the power of story. So when you look across, like, say, what we do, right, sales tech, all of SaaS, every single product in the world is eventually commoditized, right? Features are commoditized. But the way that buyers really form a relationship with your brand and your platform is through the power of story, right? And so when you talk about conveying the value of all that kind of story and, and making people understand it, I think it's really important to actually look at it from a data perspective and say, okay, I'm spinning all these stories out here, right? And hopefully I'm spinning stories that align to, you know, where buyers are along the journey or, you know, where your customers are in a relationship with your brand. And you essentially have to, you know, in the RevOps world, you have to assign a value to everything, right? So, I mean, look, you know, I'm typically the marketer who, you know, one of my big roles is I'm never going to mention the word lead or MQL in a board meeting, right? Because they don't care. They just want to understand outcomes, right? You know, for the way that I think marketers have to work, though, within companies is essentially all those terms, whether it's a lead, an MQL, an SQL, a SAL, a SQO, all those things are essentially just shorthand or codes for where the buyer is essentially in their relationship with your brand uh, and the, where they are along, hopefully, a buyer journey or a customer journey. I love it. Look, so as, a, as everybody knows, right, working at Gartner, analysts, all of that kind of stuff, I love data. And I'm a big believer in using data to drive buyer journeys, right? So I think understanding sequential steps and usage of assets to drive distinct buying motions across a buyer journey map is absolutely key. And I'm kind of paraphrasing what I think I heard you said, but you're you're doing that and then scoring individual mechanisms so you know how to improve that. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, I want to pose you this question though. There's a science to RevOps. There's a science to marketing. 
And the world's very focused on that and should be right now. But there's also an art. And we started with you also wrote three books. There's a creative side, there's an art side. So how do you combine art with science to actually make this work effectively? Because I, I worry, William, sometimes that we lose sight of the art in the pursuit of the data because you got guys like me coming in that's saying, well, William, what about this phase of this buyer journey? What about the data here? What about the data there? And you know, how do you, how do you deal with that pressure of art and science? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, that's what it's really all about is making it all come together. I think you're right because, you know, if it's all just science, then you have very little chance of really, you know, moving anybody emotionally to make a decision, mm -hmm. right? Because let's face it, you know, a lot of decisions are rational, but hardly any decisions are purely rational. There's typically a lot of emotion and, and a lot of other feelings there that including relationships that factor into a buying decision. So I think that, you know, content creation at its core, I think it should be, you know, in this environment, it should be like sort of the study of what is the art that the buyers and customers are really going to respond to. And the way to do that is like aligning any story. It's, you know, you're really figuring out, you know, what are those personas, challenges? What are their fears? You know, what are the things that really make them happy? And so it really is telling, you know, great stories that are kind of problem solution based at their core. And, you know, all, all your buyers are essentially the heroes and the heroines in your story. Are you saying that a persona cannot simply be based across, you know, the, the firmographic and technographic of somebody? In this way, what I think I heard you say was, mm -hmm. I actually need to understand the value drivers of the individual and map my RevOps strategy and map the data, map the content they get that, that work for that person. Am, am I right? I think you're partially right. I think that there's archetypes, right? Which are essentially what personas are. They're they're just like, yep. you know, like story-based archetypes, right? Mm -hmm. But, and, and so what you have to do is you have to start with the archetype, but then you have to sort of have a machine. And this is where RevOps comes in. If you understand where the buyers are, and again, I think we both are on the same page that like a buying journey is not linear, it's not predictable, yep. all that. Still, if we understand where that person is in a relationship with your brand along kind of the, the, the buying story, if you will, then where RevOps comes in is receiving those signals and then essentially serving up the next story, whether it's through a seller, it's through a piece of marketing automation or something that's going to you know satisfy and help that buyer really understand the problems that they're facing can be solved, right? Absolutely. And I would say this is the art that goes with the data in my mind, right? Because yeah. if your one buyer could be information led, right? They may want very data and factual driven information to satisfy their needs, right? Whereas somebody else, actually, it may be a very emotion driven buyer. They may be sitting there going, look, I, I really, based on pivotal moments and specific types of actions and peers I work with, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weight that a lot more. Others are going to be focused on risk or value or expectation, and there's also then the classic objection-based kind of buyer, right? So there's all of these things that that are there that that's the art of creating the narrative to each of those. And then I think, as you're suggesting in the science is being able to pick that, detect that through different signals of who they are, 
And then now we're supporting them based upon how they want to buy and, and coaching them on how to buy. And I like your phraseology here that you're very focused on the buying because I don't think it's about convincing them via selling. Right. I think it's actually more about supporting them in buying. That's right. I, I completely agree with that. I mean, you think about in relationships, who has the power, right? And for a long time, I think you could argue that sellers had a lot more power, you know, over the, the course of history. But, you know, we really live in a consumer driven society right now. And, you know, buyers have access to most of the information that they need. Uh, to make these decisions. And, you know, what we can do, though, is we can be helpful. We can offer assistance. We can, yeah, offer great stories to help them understand how their lives can be better with certain solutions. And what's really exciting is for a long time now, I mean, for at least a decade, marketing automation has served up what we thought would be probably the next likely story that a buyer or a customer would need based on engagement signals, right? Yeah. But what's really cool now is you know, through RevOps, we're now able to actually do that through a variety of channels, not just email, not just an ad. We can actually, you know, recommend the very things that a seller who actually has the luxury of a brief moment in time where they're talking to that buyer about what they need, we can actually make a recommendation in real time based on a signal. Uh, and I love that. And, and I want to go just double click a little bit here on this because for the audience members that are marketers, they'll probably appreciate us kind of going deeper on some signals as well. Like what would really matters here? And I'm going to give you two buckets, William, and I'll throw them in there and tell me where you agree and disagree. Uh, and I'll start with kind of what I would say are foundational things inside RevOps for marketers of, of things they can go explore, right? So there's data they can explore, right? So there's going to be visualization of certain data. There's going to be, um, you know, the classic dashboards they're going to push up, but then there's going to be regression analysis and writing queries. I'd say those are good kind of baseline things that a lot of people can analyze. And then you get into multivariate testing, right? This is where we're testing for different sequencing of how we're going to impact out and get people to engage differently, mm -hmm. right? So I think that's kind of in my mind, pretty table stakes these days for people that are getting really good at digital marketing. Would you agree? Would you add or take anything away on that, that set? No, I, I think that that's good. I think that the secret though, I think to going further with it, and here's what most people don't do is I think that it's about assigning those kind of intent values though, to say, whether it's your content or other touch points, right. And, and making determinations that people in your organization, you know, align on. Uh, because, you know, if you'll actually do that, then you can actually read a lot more and do a lot more with the engagement from all of those things that you're talking about. So the weighting and scoring side of this is really key. It isn't just, I have it. You're, you're weighting and scoring specifically certain attributes more than others. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So now let's talk a little bit into, you know, I know you do parts of this, but I think a lot of people may not. So this is going to sound a bit futuristic, even though you know, I'd love to lean on you as so you look at this stuff all day inside and out. This is where we get into some of the deeper learning sides of marketing. Things like text analysis, mm -hmm. things like you know, dynamic product recommendations, maybe for a product like growth strategy, PLG, mm -hmm. looking at personalization you've hit on a few times here today, right? Being really important. Yeah. And then what I would say is almost the nirvana right now 
speech analysis as well. That's right. Now, what's your thoughts there and, and how are you looking at like, things like speech, text, everything else, and how are you using that as a CMO? Yeah, we, we actually use it quite a bit. I mean, for example, a couple of weeks ago, we were looking to put together our next webinar series, our next content series. And, you know, we're able to actually see what phrases through conversation intelligence, what phrases are buyers, our customers mentioning so often, right? And, you know, you, you think about kind of an old technology, like a word cloud, right? But in this case, it's kind of using something like that in a new way where we're saying, okay, let's aggregate, say, all of our conversations across, say, like web demos. Mm -hmm. Okay, now let's look at conversations across voice. Yeah. Right. And what are the phrases? What are you know the topics and themes that are coming up most often? You know, that's just one way to kind of tap into the voice of the customer. It wasn't long ago that, you know, we actually had to like write along with sales on demos and things like that to kind of lean in and get that voice of the customer. And the data sample was so, so small. Yeah. This is really kind of like a, an age of marketing nirvana, I think, where you can use this kind of AI curated topic analysis to actually inform your own content. I love it. I'm a big believer in it. But I do want to caution people that the art of all of what we're doing is equally as important. And William, I, I keep making uh, uh, light of the fact that you've written and things like that, but you're a big part of you know who we are as an organization, right? The, the voice, the vision, and all of those sides of it. Let's just not talk data for a second, not talk measurement. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just know when you're right in saying something. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just got to get inspiration out and help people connect with a topic. Right. How do we deal with the art side? Like, how do we actually make the creative shine through? Because creative is probably the hardest thing we hire for, I would say, in marketing, ironically. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I think that marketers today in B2B tend to be so analytical mm -hmm. that in the interview process, I deliberately spend some time asking them about their creative influences and how they get creative inspiration outside of work. Unfortunately, most of the time, there aren't many answers. <laughs> most of the time, like I say, okay, what do you listen to? And it's just like a litany of like business books and, and business podcasts and things. And those are great. We all listen to them. Yeah. But I, I actually think today that that people have to mindfully and actively seek out, you know, other sources for story information and inspiration, because one of the things that's plagued B2B marketing is sameness. You look across, everybody's using like very similar language, very similar types of media, things like that. So it's almost like a discipline is looking outside the category yeah. for other things that work. And dare I say, you know, creativity is not going to a competitor's website and looking at what keywords they're using just to drive traffic. It does drive effectiveness in the result. I'm not against it from that. Do you want to be a follower or do you want to be the leader? Yeah. One of my favorite marketers of all time, you think of Al Reese and those guys back in the day, I'm being nostalgic again, but like, where's the gotta have milk campaign? <laughs> right. That moment that we all remember, like anybody that lived through the 80s and 90s remembers gotta have milk and it being poured on people. That's right. Now, maybe not something we would do today, but how, how do we help people come up with that? Like, I, I want people to go build a story arc that actually is pen to paper. Yeah. They actually do go through the creative motion of thinking through something that nobody else has thought of. Not for creative for the sake of just being creative, 
but creative that actually is going to make me as a buyer go, wow, mm -hmm. that's something different. That's totally right. And I think that to your point, I, I think we can get so sort of data oriented in B2B that some of the creativity kind of saps out of it. So it's, you know, looking for things and sometimes to your point, looking at things that were published in prior decades is really helpful. Absolutely, the tone is off. The pacing is off. We no longer have the, the patience to wait three minutes to, you know, as, as consumers to get the punchline or the point of an ad, for example, right? But I absolutely am a huge fan of sort of pulling up some of those classic things and especially showing them to younger marketers who, who haven't seen them before and kind of unpacking almost like you're in a classroom. Yeah. Okay, what, what was the intent here? You know, what really kind of do you think made this work at the time? Now, how would you repackage this idea and make it relevant today? I think those are super valuable exercises. So are you suggesting that the key to creating the art of marketing is, I, I hope he still goes by this, is Puff Daddy still call himself Puff Daddy? But Puff Daddy, take the wrapping approach of 1980s <laughs> classics and re-spin it into something here today? Is that, is that what you know, we're saying? I can't keep up with his name changes. He might be back to Sean Combs for all I know. But but yeah, I, I actually do think that it really is about kind of, you know, looking at those things. Sometimes there's there's something really good in a, in a good old fashioned recycle. But what you do is you make it new because, you know, we've been talking about this art of story across millennia. The stories haven't changed, right? I mean, it's all there in the hero's journey which, you know, anybody who hasn't read that, you got to read that. I think it's on the shelf behind me. It's all the hero's journey. It's just about different variations on that over time, right? And your customers and buyers are always the heroes. William, I can go on all day with you, but thanks so much for squeezing us in today. I know you're tremendously busy, you know, from Mesopotamia to the world of signals and analytics and rev ops to you know, milk stories and Sean Combs. <laughs> I think we covered enough for, for, for today. Um, but you know, let's let's get out there again and uh, you know, for our listeners, engage, email us, call us in as well. We'll give you the new number that we have to send in questions. And uh, I'll let you have final word here. And, and my question is this, if you were to recycle something from the 80s, what's the thing from the 80s you'd love to bring back right now from a marketing perspective? Oh gosh, you asked me the toughest questions right right at the end. Oh man, I don't know. I I think uh, I think probably something Dungeons and Dragons themed, only because you know it's making a big resurgence with Stranger Things right now, and I absolutely think that it's due to to kind of explode and go big in a in a big way. I like it. I like it. I look forward to seeing that creative session coming up. So that'll be a fun one. <laughs> Um, again, thank you so much. Thanks for everybody tuning in. Please remember to like and subscribe the podcast. And also, we have our new dial-in phone number where you can leave questions for us, and we will attempt to address those in upcoming episodes. Please dial us at 323-540-4777. That's 323-540-4777. And we do listen to those and pick them up. So looking forward to hearing your voices. And we'll give you a call out on a future episode as well. Thanks again. Mm -hmm.